Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I've entitled this talk, Alone and Quiet, or alternatively, if you like, The Disciplines of Solitude and Silence. Now, last week, we entitled that the three-mile-an-hour God, and we looked at the whole question of what it meant to slow our lives down in order to meet with God. We said that you can't see your reflection in running water. In other words, we have to have space and time to slow down, to catch up with ourselves, to reflect on our lives and what God is doing. We said that hurry actually really kills us and that we need to slow down. And if not, hurry will leave us with cluttered hearts, fractured and fragmented lives, fatigued, superficial, unable in a sense to mature as Christians or to love as we should. In 1968, Elizabeth O'Connor wrote a book that has become seminal in the um, Christian formation uh, world. It was called Journey Inward, Journey Outward, and she actually encapsulated uh, in those uh, few words, journey inward, journey outward, the two rhythms that form and, f and, and continue to form our lives spiritually. Part of the journey inward is the slowing, the solitude, the silence. John Ortberg quotes a researcher, this I did some background uh, and found was in the 1940s and mid to the mid-50s, a series of experiments on mice. And these researchers found that high dose of amphetamines, it took a high dose of amphetamines to kill a mouse that was living quietly and alone. But a group of mice will start hopping around and hyping each other up so much that a dosage 20 times smaller would be lethal. So great is the effect of the busy corporate uh, world of all the other people together, all the other mice together. In fact, a mouse that had been given no amphetamines was placed in a group that was on the drug that were all hyped up. And in 10 minutes, they said, the mouse that hasn't even been given amphetamines would be dead. The author says, they go off like popcorn or firecrackers. Whatever we think about the research, we might be tempted to think that only a mouse would be so foolish to hang out with a bunch of other mice that were so hyped up or going at such a frantic pace in mindless activity for no discernible purpose that they would put their own well-being and even their lives at risk. But I think you know where I'm going with this. We do exactly the same with our lives so often. Now, 
I quoted to you Psalm 23, and I want to just look at the first couple of verses. But as we do, I want to say that Jesus himself was never hurried. He may have been busy, but he was never hurried. And there's a big difference between being busy and being hurried. Busy, we can have a full schedule. We can have many activities. It can be physically demanding. But it's an outward condition. Whereas hurried, we are preoccupied, unable to be fully present. It's spiritually draining because this hurriedness is an inner condition that affects the very core of who we are, our being, our soul, what God has made us to be. So in itself, busyness is um, not a bad thing and it's not lethal. But being hurried, this inner condition, when I'm preoccupied with my myself and my life and I'm unable to be present with God or with myself or with others, I'm unable to be in the present moment. Busyness migrates to hurry and it, lets, it, it squeezes God out of our lives. Psalm 23, as I said, I was coming back to it. The psalmist says it's not our job to heal our souls. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me. It's interesting. The shepherd is the one who does all of this. He's the one who leads uh, who, who makes them lie down, leads them besides quiet waters. Solitude and silence. Quiet and alone. Um, I don't know uh, a huge amount about rearing sheep, but apparently um, sheep basically do nothing. They eat, they lie down, they sleep. They're totally dependent on the shepherd. They don't plan their next meal. They don't make a list of what they have to do tomorrow. They completely are who they are. They eat, they lie down, they sleep. Now, I'm not advocating that we end up doing nothing. But what is interesting through this whole thing here is that um, this doing nothing, this just being totally dependent on the shepherd, is not being in one. He makes me lie down in green pastures. We find rest and healing for our souls, for our inner world, when we lie down in the green pastures. But I want to just make this clear. He makes us lie down. We don't actually have to go and lie down somewhere. He makes us lie down. He helps us to actually come to terms with what it means to stop all our striving, all our busyness, all our hurry, and just be with the shepherd to eat and to drink, and he restores our soul. To be quiet and alone, solitude and silence. We generally are good at doing something and being active. To stop for a moment is very difficult for us. J.B. Phillips, in his translation of the New Testament, in Romans 12, verse 2, he says, Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. When it comes to solitude, what we do is we, we withdraw from the frenetic activity and noise of our world that puts pressure on us all the time. We withdraw and find rest for our souls. We are restored. 
He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us besides quiet waters. I think we're addicted to distraction and to noise in Western culture. And in a sense, what he's got to do with us as we do with our little children, our own kids at bedtime, they're not keen to go to bed most of the time, no matter how tired they are. So at some point, if you're a good parent, you pick them up, carry them off to their bedrooms and make them go to bed. I wonder whether it's bedtime for our soul at the moment, whether a world which we live in has become so distracting and noisy that we are in desperate need of solitude and silence, of being alone and being quiet. Solitude is a, a, a discipline of abstinence. It's a bit like giving something up, like fasting, where you give up food. In solitude, you refrain, you abstain from society for a time, maybe even only a short time, but you withdraw from conversation, from being with other people, from noise and stimulation. Henry Nowen calls it getting rid of all the scaffolding around your life, the things that prop us up, TV, music, news. Uh, you could make a huge long list all the activity that we have. And it's just me. Just me and God and nothing. No stimulation, no sound. And what Jesus is trying to say to us is that that's actually completely liberating. We are totally freed in that moment. It gives us perspective and it opens us up to ourselves and to those around us, but more especially to God. It's like Jesus, where he goes so often into the desert places, going to lonely places. It, it says at one stage, he, he went to the lonely place by himself alone, as though it's got to reinforce the whole thing, that that was important. It's like Matthew 6, 6, where Jesus is talking about prayer, and he says, go into your room alone, close the door, shut everything else out, the world around you, the noise, and just be with God. That's what he's talking about when he's talking about prayer. And I want to just add there, I think it's important that if we're going to pray, we learn to pray by being silent first and listening to God. We come in and jabber very quickly, but I think God wants to speak to us often. The primary place, place of strength for, for Jesus, for Paul, and for us is this place of withdrawal, of letting go of all the noise and activity. Be still. And know that I am God, Psalm 46, verse 10. You'll pick up a couple of themes that we've looked at in the past few weeks here. But silence and solitude go hand in hand. We are so surrounded by noise, by the TV, by music, noise inside and outside. Even our apps that we have for prayer, for Bible reading, for devotion, we stick them on and it's another noise in our ears. Not a bad thing. But I'm just saying, it's just more and more and more sound all around us. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. Not running water. So I can see my reflection in the quiet water. Quiet in both senses of the word, that it's still and quiet. No music. No noise, no words, just quiet.
And quiet can be quite frightening because it strips us of the scaffolding and we rely on it. And it's just me and God. Isaiah 30 verse 15 says, In quietness and trust is your strength. My first encounter with silence in this kind of way was a a, a corporate one. Well, not a corporate, but it was, it was um, I'll tell you what happened. My dean of faculty in the theology faculty that I was when I was doing undergrad work was um, Professor Kelvin Cook. Became a friend over time. I, he became my squash partner. I would meet with him regularly in other ways. But I'll never forget our first encounter. I was invited to his home. It was a winter's day. Uh, his wife showed me into the lounge. There was a log fire, two chairs drawn up in front of it, and he was sitting in it. Greeted me and sat down. We both sat there, and there was silence except for the crackle of the fire, and it was really lovely scene. A minute, three minutes, five minutes. In the beginning, I was incredibly uncomfortable, because what do you do? Uh, one's inclined to babble on, to say something, to break the silence. Do I do it? Do I not? In the end, we sat there for about 20 minutes in silence. And the longer the silence was there, the more it kind of, I felt like I was being enveloped by it there was a there was a quietness uh, a kind of a caress a peace a restfulness and i think it it made a huge impact on me because we get our lives so cluttered with noise the silence sets us free the clutter evaporates we're opened up to a kind of listening of being present without having to use words Obviously, there are disciplines involved with solitude and silence of being alone and being quiet. And like all disciplines, the first thing to do is to take some small steps in the beginning to build up. Begin and end the day with some silence, with some solitude. Draw aside, go alone. Sometime in the day, maybe even at lunchtime, make five minutes. Uh, James Clear in his book Atomic Habits talks about just, just do it. Don't make... Don't make it too big to begin with. Create a habit by starting with five minutes. Second thing is to experiment. Play around with it. And then, of course, practice makes perfect. Let me tell you another story to end with. It comes out of the 1930s when um, Europeans and Americans were traveling into Africa. And there was this woman who arrived... And she wanted to go to a distant part. I think it was Kenya, I'm not sure. But she wanted to get there as quickly as possible. And she engaged a whole group of carriers and guides with all her luggage, hoping to make her journey quick. And after the first day, she was really pleased with the progress that she'd made. They'd covered miles on that first day. On the second day, however... She got up and all the carriers that she'd hired remained seated. They refused to move. They were scattered all over the place, sitting quietly by themselves. And she was so frustrated. She asked the leader of these people why it was that they wouldn't continue their journey. And he went and spoke to them and he came back to her. And essentially this is what he said to her when he came back to her. 
they were waiting for their souls to catch up with their bodies. They'd gone so far and so fast on the first day that they felt that they needed to wait for their souls to catch up with their bodies. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe you feel like it often, I don't know. But Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. We need to be alone. We need to be quiet. We need that solitude and silence in our lives. And so, perhaps just a couple of questions to end with. Do you struggle to be alone? Do you struggle to be quiet? And if so, why? What makes it like that for you? And then, in a similar vein, how can you this week begin to practice solitude and silence and open yourselves up to what God has for you?